Hello and welcome to the Swift Legacy Podcast, a show where we talk all things Taylor Swift with a focus on her early career. We're your hosts, Amy, Molly and Rachel. And this week, we are finally going to be doing an episode on the 10 minute version of All Too Well. Hey guys, welcome back to the Swift Legacy Podcast. After years and years of speculation, not only do we now have the 10-minute version of All Too Well, but we also have an entire short film to go with it. So first of all, I just kind of want to address what the hell happened to that, that missing chorus. There you are again when you blew the candle out, took this blazing love and stood right into the ground. Can, can we throw that to the floor, please? I fully don't know. I didn't even notice that it wasn't there until Molly messaged me like later in the day, like, where the hell is this? Same. But how how could she how could she cut that out? That is such a good line. I think she rewrote it. I don't think that's one hundred percent the original because there's other lyrics as well. Like, I I put my my scarf on the banister and stuff, wasn't it? There, there was a word. There was a lyric with the word banister yeah. in. Um, there's a lot of things, and I don't think that that is one hundred percent the original. And I don't know for some reason. I always thought. I know she told us that she thought like the f word was in it at one point but I never thought it'd be like in fuck the patriarchy because the way she said it was like I think it was in there like I'm not sure I think I might have thrown it in and I feel like that lyric is quite memorable so I always thought it was something vague and like maybe this thing was a masterpiece till you fucked it all up or something I, still I think, think that should have been the lyric yeah <laughs> but yeah I mean the way she spoke about it was almost like it was an offhand like she was really angry singing it on the spot type thing. Mm. She obviously doesn't remember putting it in there. Me and Amy had a theory that she wrote parts of it before that Speak Now tour rehearsal. And that's what we saw in the diary. I don't know how well the dates line up with that. But um, so that's yeah. what was in the diary. And then what she sung that day kind of came from that and was kind of built around that. No, it makes no. sense. Well, the original, following from what you said entirely, the original copyright record of it is 2010. Then there's a second one from 2011. So she filed for something with it right, right, right at the at the end of 2010. It must have been maybe even before they originally broke up, potentially, I don't know. But sometime between her birthday and the new year, we know she was in the studio like a lot around that time anyway. She was photographed going in and out. So I don't think Speak Now tour rehearsals would have began until January 2011 at the earliest anyway. So I do completely agree with that theory, yeah. I think there are so many people who think it is literally like that Speak Now tour rehearsal. She came up with the idea, all the lyrics for a 10-minute song, and then it wasn't changed at all. I think that's the kind of story that she's pushing, but I, there's just no way. I remember Liz Rose doing an interview with Rolling Stone, I want to say it was, in like 2013, 2014-ish, and she was saying that... um. It was a really, really hot day in August and she was moving house. She was packing everything up from her entire house and garage into one truck. And Taylor was like, can I please come around and help you co-write, like help me co-write a song? And Liz like dropped everything the very last day that she was moving house and said she didn't really put any words in. She just did it down and she made sure that the monologue about the scarf carried on. Um, she just very much condensed the song and she didn't really contribute much other than that to it. Yeah, so at that point it was probably all written. It was just cutting it down and making it yeah and that's all this 2011 but I I do think she had the outline for the song already kind of written in her journals like the bits that we got in the lover journals mm-hmm. then I think she went into the speak now rehearsal sang a version of it kind of misremembered some of the lyrics from what she'd written in her journals then taken the 
speak now to a recording to Liz, but also added some things with Liz. Yeah. I agree. I think it's really interesting how Liz was like, this was the first song that she wrote for that record. And we know that's not entirely true. We know that she wrote Stay, Stay, Stay sometime in 2010. We don't quite know when. Um, but that was a 2010 song. And although All Too Well began in 2010, it wasn't finished until August 2011, by which point we know she definitely wrote in State of Grace. State of Grace is officially recognized as the very first song that she wrote and finished specifically for Red with Red in mind, whereas Stay, 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 I think everyone kind of agrees, Stay, 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 it's not necessarily tacked onto it, um, but it's something that she wrote before the idea of Red had fully evolved. Maybe All Too Well was kind of like a catalyst, like leading from Stay, Stay, Stay into what then would become like the track list of, like, State of Grace, Red, Treacherous, mm-hmm. Trouble. And that makes sense based on the fact that Stay, Stay, Stay doesn't really fit the themes of Red as well. as It feels like a very much a transition song from Speak Now. Red, oh like yeah it for sure it's, it's almost closer in timeline to speak now so it kind of gives me like sweeter than fiction vibes in terms of Ooh. it's between a project and it like it it could have been used for a movie or something as a transitional period um but I I do think I like it as a song I think it's a yeah. sweet song I think it's a nice song again like sweeter than fiction but I just don't think it fits on the album as a project. I don't know how we've digressed on to Stay, 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 but we have, so. <laughs> I feel like Red's almost been like rebranded or remarketed as a heartbreak album when originally it, it, that's not what it was marketed at. It was marketed at the word Red encompasses every single emotion that love encompasses, like every single shade of love it was. So it was like happy love, heartbreak love, sad love, wistful love, friendship love. It was everything. And that's why Stay, Stay, Stay fits on it. But now it really has been, whether that's by the fans' influence or by Republic Records, whether it's by their influence, that's how Red has been rebranded and being chosen to be remembered as, which is fair. But I think that's a big part of why Stay, Stay, Stay isn't as beloved on the album as opposed to tracks like All Too Well. I feel like the fans have very much made it the heartbreak album. Like, I I think whenever we talk about Red, we see it as this absolute emotional era of sadness and I I don't know why that's happened maybe because of the hype around all too well that that's kind of just been the focus and kind of we've been trying to link everything to it but I think I think the fans interpreted it more as a heartbreak album and that's why it's now kind of being rebranded as that Mm -hmm. I think it probably stems back to Jake Gyllenhaal I'm not gonna lie and the fact that that was (laughs) that was a big breakup at the time and it all kind of centered around that or everyone kind of brings the focus back to that and that's probably why that kind of comes into it I think it's a really clever album though in that it does encompass so many different feelings that come under like they all fit the color red so well yeah it's one of those albums you could put any song on it and it kind of you could find a way to link it in it's why the vault tracks like there are some of them that I feel like don't quite fit but you can argue that any one of them has its place on red because it is such a diverse album I mean, conceptually, it's very comparable to Lover, how Red was originally branded as an, an album about all the different shades of love, um, and, and they're all red. And then Lover was branded as a love letter to all different kinds of love. Like each different track on the album is a different kind of love letter to a different person. So they're very similar in those ways, even though they came out, what, seven years apart? I kind of want to talk about the lyrics, Oh, Your Sweet Disposition and My Wide-Eyed Gaze, and like the double entendre on Sweet Disposition. 
So it could just mean, is it, is it meaning your sweet disposition is in the mannerism is it in which you carry yourself as a person? Or is it the sweet disposition as in the song, which in which case is linked into several other different songs and potentially other people, which is definitely very confusing as a big fan to try and figure out which thread ties back to which other, which, which big mm. tangled ball of yarn. Thoughts, it's a please. web of confusion. Yeah. Sweet disposition always reminds me of Harry Styles. So me I feel too. like one, yeah. I mean, he yeah. has the tattoo. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he it's was, their inside joke. Oh, wait, no. I was about to say he was the one who they got, who Taylor got lyrics written out for, but that was Temper Trap. No, but that was him. And Temper Trap wrote got, out the lyrics. wrote it for him. Oh, right. Okay. I'm <laughs> that was for him. It was I'm because tired. he had the, he had the lyrics of Sweet Disposition incorrectly tattooed on his arm. And Taylor was like, have? that's wrong. Um, won't stop till we surrender. And the lyric was, won't, won't stop, stop to surrender. Oh, uh, there was this too, won't stop till it's over, won't stop to won't surrender. Stop to surrender. Yeah, and he got it wrong on his arm. And she was like, that's wrong. And he was like, no, it's not. And she was like, okay. And then she was at the RA, uh, ARIA Awards in Australia in 2012. And she made Temper Trap. And she's like, oh, guys, like, please, can you, please, can you write down the lyrics for my boyfriend? Like, he's a really big fan of you. And they were like, what do we do? And so she got the lyrics written down and then they broke up. And then she kept the lyrics framed over her kitchen top in the LA cottage, I want to say it was. Yeah. Instead, because she never yeah. got to give them to him. That's so uh, awkward. Mm. But yeah, I, I see what you mean in terms of that line is definitely, you can link it as a fan to the Harry Styles thing. But I think in this case, she was purely talking about a disposition in terms of yeah like yeah uh, yeah being sweet um I mean for I the record it's... I don't think all too well it's about Harry Styles let us not open that can of fish thank you can of fish wait can of fish can of worms can of worms <laughs> <laughs> no, keep it as can of fish I think I you're like thinking that. kettle of fish yeah I think I was what does that say like I know what it means but where does it like kettle of fish fuck does that I, where does that I come don't from? know a kettle's only... like, is it like a shoal or something for like certain times? Ah, I think. I think that might be it. I don't know. It might not be. The only like saying I know the origin of is waiting for the other shoe to drop. Do tell. Well, that came from apartments in New York where it was noisy when people were taking their shoes off and someone dropped their shoe. And then obviously, because most people will have two shoes, you were waiting for another bang because you were waiting for the other shoe to drop. Ah, clever. It's interesting. Okay, so shall we have a look at the lyrics? Do we want to talk about the scarf? Or do we feel like that's overdone? I feel like the scarf is such a missed opportunity for merch. (laughs) And I know they've come out with the red one, but why not the blue, red and grey one? I think that's maybe a little too... that's a fair point. I kind of feel like I should start a merch business for that. You should. You fully should. I think I should. Just yeah, because the, the original Gucci 100% wool, wool scarf, yes. Did anyone see that story where someone was like, oh, I've I've like, I've like, got proof, but I've got the scarf, like the original scarf? I saw something like, about that. Like yeah. someone's going to help me get it. I'm like, I don't think she wants the scarf back. She like, I'm not bought, sure like, she's that fast. 10 billion more scarves. She's, she's good for the scarf. I, I would like to talk about the fact that so many people are so obsessed with this scarf equals virginity metaphor. Oh, oh God. It really pisses me off. A, none of nobody's business. 
Like it is none of our business. It's none of your business. It's absolutely, it's irrelevant. Second of all, do we really think Taylor would put an Easter egg to that in a song? And third of all, it is a literal fucking scarf. There are literal photos of this fucking scarf. Please don't make my head explode by talking about this again. I feel like if you know her songwriting style, like she adds those details in like it's a really normal thing for her to do like that is something that taylor swift would write like it's not a metaphor it's it's a detail it's a specific detail that's how she writes and also it's a fucking scar do you want to know something completely ott that i noticed a few weeks ago that oh god i know isn't like is not in any way connected but i also know that the way that the fan base is now they'd be like oh my god easter eggs but it wasn't an easter egg but they'll be like easter egg so the scarf is blue, dark grey, oh, and red. No. Like the three same colours from the red chorus. Don't go there, so. Rachel. <laughs> the question I have is, did Taylor Swift plan the red album two years before? No. What, by buying Just a scarf? Stop it. Yes. Was red. Gucci, was, was Taylor Swift doing a collaboration with Gucci in promotion of the red album two years before it dropped? Was Absolutely. red the song based on the scarf? Fuck. Maybe. Losing the scarf was blue like she'd never known. Missing it was Missing dark grey all alone. But loving it was red. I think Absolutely. red, the song, is about the scarf. Maybe the whole album is about the scarf. <gasps> Maybe we've been looking at it wrong the whole time. We should let Jake Jenner Oh my God. Heck. You know how we thought the SAG message in red was like Swift and Gyllenhaal, Swift and Gucci? I no. thought we thought it was Sagittarius. Yeah, Sagittarius. What the fuck? <laughs> I've seen yeah. other people say Screen Actors Guild because that was oh, like I've an seen event they did well. together or something. Yeah, or something they broke up after. No, I, I always thought it was Sagittarius. I thought it was Sagittarius too. No one's ever confirmed it. Maybe he was well, just well, I don't, no. Silk, one hundred percent Gucci, Swift and Gucci, Silk and Gucci. Okay, so shall we have a look at the? Well, I know we've said should we look at the lyrics, but should we look at like the new lyrics? Because obviously. The old mm. lyrics, we all know them. We've all analysed them non-stop for essentially 10 years now. Um, almost 10 years, nine. Um, so the first new part about the car keys, fuck the patriarchy, etc. Any groundbreaking thoughts, you guys? That was definitely Taylor's keychain. Do <laughs> we think it was a keychain? Do we think fuck the patriarchy was written on a keychain? Or do we just think... Because my interpretation of it was he was letting her drive, saying, fuck the patriarchy in terms of the men usually drive. That was my interpretation. I, I, I heard that at first, drive. but no, I think it's different. Yeah, I, think- I mean, she did, like, do you remember, the, I don't know if you remember, but, like, the keychain she used to carry around. She had, like, a massive one with, like, mace on it. It was, like, a bright pink mace. She used to carry, like, really clunky keychains. So I feel like she'd have probably had a fuck the patriarchy with keychain. But, like, did anyone say fuck the patriarchy in, what, 2010? I feel like that's a more recent thing. I kind of thought that, too. I wonder if it said something else and she's just changed it recently. I saw some theories that it was originally fuck the paparazzi, but I was like, no, that's not realistic. Like, that's dumb. That would be so funny. I think that would be better. Yeah. I mean, it has been around since then, but I feel like she'd have not bought that for herself and a friend would have given it to her kind of like how her friends do with that like happy fucking birthday party for her 22nd mm. and had all sorts of things yeah. like that she kind of like her friends were like that back then it was like Liz and Charity like they were quite rowdy no I don't think she would have bought that but we don't think it was his no definitely not <laughs> that is Jake Gyllenhaal 
So I am obsessed with the line till we were dead and gone and buried. Check the pulse mm. and come back swearing. It's the same after so three good. months in the grave. It's just like, oh my God, how does she? First of all, I cannot believe all these. She originally had all these lyrics and she managed to cut them out into the normal version of All Too Well. Like, how? It's like choosing a favorite child. They're all so amazing. Is it starting to make sense now why this was the last song she ever co-wrote with Liz? Oh, come on. We don't have any Liz Rose slander in this house, Rachel. I saw your don't tweets you and I'm I was like, saying, no, she, no. I love Liz. I think some of Taylor's best co-writes have been with Liz. But it just so happens that Liz cut out literally the best lyrics and all too well. And it's like, yeah, I didn't even contribute. I was just an editor. I just cut out lyrics. And then Taylor, <laughs> like, never wrote with her again. I'm sorry. No, but she hadn't written with her for a while. So I feel like True. it was just the, the last song where she felt like she needed her input. But also, what lyrics? You give me a five-minute version of All Too Well that tells a cohesive, like, chronological story and includes all these lyrics. Because I feel like the story is completely different with the added lyrics. Yes. Yeah, but, I so agree. How do you how do you not cut out... How do you cut out five minutes worth of that and still have it make sense? If that makes sense. She's got longer songs. Isn't Dear John longer than the original? Dear John's about six. Yeah, six minutes. Yeah, that is a so long So is Last one. Kiss. Yeah, true. Really so she long. does she does do long songs. But um, I feel like the outro, some parts of the outro could have remained on the original version and it would still have upheld. Um, like the original version's qualities, like from when your Brooklyn broke my skin and bones, I'm a soldier who's returning half her weight. The lyrics about the twin flame bruise and the love affair, that they would have quite easily slotted in into an outro in my personal opinion you can respect my opinion to be wrong no I, I think I that. think that's a valid point I think that's the only place yeah. where she could have maybe left in some extra lyrics but would mm-hmm. it have I, I do think it would have been cool if she'd left in um the twin flame bit because of the links to state of grace like I think that would have been yeah. a cool parallel but it mm-hmm. is a cool parallel oh that's add. true actually I would say that my favorite new part of the song is the new like bridge area where all's well that ends well but I'm in a new hell and if we had been closer in age maybe it would have been fine and that made me want to die (laughs) oh don't don't even oh my god it's too much um I love that and I think if I were to add anything to the original version it would be that like the extra bit of the bridge like if I had to choose just one thing it's supposed to be fun turning 21 I yeah, think that would be the pit true. that I'd have kept in. And the line, you who charmed my dad was self-effacing jokes, sipping coffee like you're on a late night show. Just, oh my God, these are these lyrics are too much for me. Like I can't do it. And the portrayal of them in the film. I was just thinking film, that. I just I just want to cry. Like I've only watched the short film, short film. I've only watched the short film like four times because it's too emotional for me. I'm like, I don't, I can't do this. I can't put myself through this. The 10 minute version just feels much angrier and like putting the blame on him. Whereas the five minute version, to some extent, it does feel almost just like a, not like a mutual breakup, but a bit less. So I feel like you leave those lyrics in, those kind of accusatory lyrics and it turns the story of the five minute version it changes it a little bit I do so I don't know what I'd leave in I do really like just between us did the love affair maybe you too I think the lyric and I was never good at telling jokes but the punchline goes I'll get older but your lovers will stay my age is very retrospective which makes me think 
E. That one might have been added post 2011. At the very, very, very least. Because imagine how flat that joke would have landed if he'd got married to like someone his own age and still was. But yeah, true. Yeah. That's something that she's heard over the years. Yeah. I think she went through and when she found it, I, I also find it really funny that the outro, because she, she's obviously bigged it up as this 10 minute version. The outro itself is just like one minute. I'm like, I swear it was just nine minutes and she felt like she had to add something on to get it to 10 minutes. Oh, for sure. I, I saw Scarlett saying that on Instagram a lot, actually. And I, I do agree. But I think like, you wouldn't you wouldn't say like all too well the eight and a half minute version exactly like you know true <laughs> yeah but th- yeah. there would have been riots if it wasn't actually 10 minutes oh definitely they'd be like people would have kicked off 45 seconds she lied yeah yeah i do i do think the outro is a bit too long and I, I get why she did it but i i don't know i think it's a little bit too long it's good do you think it's it just- was like it's like dragged out to the point that it potentially detracted from the entire song mm-hmm. where if the if the outro Maybe. had just been cut shorter like with the you were there you were there you were there I was there I was there like all the echoes do you feel like it detracted from it at all or that it it was it was fine where it was because like I, you said you, you feel like it was dragged out longer than it originally was I would say I don't think it detracted from the song but that's only mm-hmm. because it was on the end of the album. Yeah. I think if it mm-hmm. had been partway through the album and there had been any song after it. Ooh, that's yeah. a good way of putting it. You would have got bored whereas with it being the very end of the entire project I feel like it's okay. I like that. I really like yeah. that way that you explain that. I think Thank that makes you. sense. Yeah. I put up with it. I listen to the whole thing. Like I don't skip when we get to, I mean, she repeats that, that sacred prayer. I was there a bit three times and mm. it's quite a long chunk of, it is a whole minute, the outro. Yeah. But like, I do feel like, I don't think it ruins the song in any way. I don't think it's out of place or, but you can almost tell that it's been extended and that wasn't how it was intended yes. to be originally. Would you guys swap the like original All Too Well for 10-minute version in your actual album playlist? Can you listen to regular All Too Well now without feeling like there's something missing from it? I haven't listened to the regular version at all Are really since. No, no. I feel like there is something missing. And like, I yeah. feel like it's not even just me. It's quite often I'll hear it playing in someone else's room here. And I, I wait until, you know, because it comes after the second yeah. verse and you can tell if you can't hear the production, I'm like, right, is this a 10-minute version? Always a 10-minute version. Mm. I feel like everyone's kind of... And it doesn't feel like yeah. it's 10 minutes long. True. But that's the style of her songwriting. I always try and explain this to people who aren't necessarily avid listeners or avid fans of hers, is that it's not about like the relatability of the song. It's not even about if it's got the catchiest hook in the world. It's about the story that it tells. It plays in your mind's eye like a movie. And I think that's what the appeal to so many people is and why she's garnered such a huge fan base is her style of songwriting. And this is a prime example of it. I also, I see the 10 minute version and the normal version as different songs because although, yes, they do essentially have the same lyrics, the five minute version is the same lyrically. I think it's just, it tells a different story. Like the the five minute version is upsetting. You will cry, like it's really sad. Whereas this version, I won't say it's venomous in like the way we say things like who I've always been is venomous, but I think it has a bite to it in terms of it's very, it's kind of like the older sister of the normal version where it's I like, know, I do think I'll get older, but your love will stay my age. Venom, venom, mm-hmm. straight venom. Oh, definitely. There is definitely little bits of venom, venom. in there. 
like not the whole song better i saw somebody call all too well regular um all too well snack version no <laughs> and all too no. well light like the nintendo no. ds light <laughs> i yeah, see it as a completely different song i think they have different meanings all too well 30 day free trial shut up <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny how like it went from being like the magnus opus of her career and now people are literally like all too well bite-sized edition <laughs> like people are slandering it already no but i know what they mean so like it just doesn't hit the same anymore i listen to it and i'm like this this is missing something like how did i listen to this before but I, I don't love- think Taylor's going to play the original one again. I did see in no. an interview she was like, this, this is now going to like take over from the original yeah. one. This will be the new setting for it. But how on earth did she put that in a track list for a concert? Her concerts that- are so long anyway. No, Obviously, Going With This Song is a short film. Are there any points from the film that we would like to specifically talk about or analyse, Rachel? I think it's really interesting how in the kitchen scene, when the slate card said, cracks are showing... And that's when they start to have the first fight. That the kitchen was very vibrantly painted blue, referencing losing him was blue, like I'd never known. I thought that was interesting. I thought the whole video was actually quite like color schemed, um, to like the reds, the blues, and the greys, representing each part of the relationship. I do feel like that was deliberate because I know at this point that she is a psycho. Um, but however, there was one Twitter theory that I didn't um gel quite well with and that was how the knobs on the oven were red and there was a big fear about how that was a red flag and I'm like no I think that's just an oven but I do think the kitchen being blue might have been something you are the English teacher aren't you you're the English teacher in the meme the curtains they're analyzing they're analyzing that book and the author says the curtains are blue and the teacher is like that represents his inner sadness and the author literally meant the curtains are fucking blue. Well, here's the thing. So the lover house represents each era. I didn't buy into that. And I don't, I still don't know if I do buy into that in all fairness. But I do think there's, I mean, she said herself, she's like, there's so many like Easter eggs sprinkled throughout this and like hidden metaphors and imagery. And we know she directed it or she wrote it, she produced it, she directed it. I do think that the kitchen being blue in the cracks is starting to show scene was representative and if it wasn't I'm just gonna say it was because I am an English teacher so yeah <laughs> my favorite thing about that lover house thing is when people find like extra rooms as like easter eggs for the next album they're like all oh, the staircase <laughs> that's the theme for the next album or like this tiny little corner of this room is that the honestly or like the yeah. outside of the house that's the next album I don't think she tells that much in advance people it's are trying to find easter eggs for folklore and we're like we literally she said folklore was not a planned thing like there's no way. But didn't you see the Easter eggs? <laughs> Taylor didn't, didn't you see, see she eggs. painted her nails beige in 2019? Oh my god, the fucking nails. Directly referencing COVID-19. <laughs> Stop. Oh my god, it's too much. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social media for exclusive content. And we'll see you again next week with a new episode of the Swift Legacy podcast. <laughs>